Welcome to the Insurance Post podcast. I'm Emran Hughes, editor of Insurance Post, and today I'm joined by Claims Consortium Group's Claire Lashbrook and AXA's Carl Parr to talk about what the cost of living crisis means for insurers. Today on the Insurance Post podcast, we're excited to have with us Claire Lashbrook, Director of Property Claims at Claims Consortium Group, and Carl Parr, Claims Technical and Central Services Director of AXA. They're going to share their views on what the squeeze on household incomes mean for policyholders and insurers. Hi, Claire and Carl. Welcome to the Insurance Post podcast. Hello, Emma. Hi, Emma. Good to see you. Thank you. Um, So how is the cost of living crisis impacting insurance? Carl, what are you seeing? I think, first of all, Emma, uh, I think it's important to say that we recognise that um, the cost of living crisis is having a a severe impact on individuals, families and organisations across the UK and our own employees. But um, so but I think in times like this, it is uh, important, you know, that we recognise that insurance becomes probably even more essential to act as that safety net uh, for people as they face uncertain times, uh, uh, particularly financial challenges so um, but you know some of the things that we've started to see and that we we've become aware of is the different types of of claims that we might be seeing now so um, obviously the colder weather which we've just experienced uh, through the winter uh, combined with the sort of pressures of trying to sort of minimize heating costs um, you know obviously there's a concern there that that's going to lead to more escape of water claims um, yeah, and uh, a more burst pipe type claim, so that, that's clearly a concern. Um, and I guess another area um, that we're concerned about is whether there's going to be more fire claims, uh, claims involving you know, naked flames as, as people look for alternative ways to heat or light their homes, uh, cut back on electricity, that sort of thing. So um, the, the, these are things that uh, concern us from a, from a practical level. Mm. Um, we also have that issue which is people get concerned about whether fraud is going to become more prevalent uh, when, when, when times are hard for people. Um, we'd like to, to think not, but history uh, perhaps tells us that that could be the case. Um, so we just need to make sure that we're, um, you know, we're doing our best to protect all our customers and, and make sure that we, we're dealing with the right claims in, in the right way, but also have an eye out for those. Um, but, but also we're, you know, I think we're conscious as as, um, as things become a little bit tighter for people. Some people might not be taking policies out, so again, that uh, that can lead to problems and you know create challenges to make sure that we're providing value for money products for our customers and that they fully understand those. Mm, Definitely, time uh, um, tight. Um, what was it? Times are tight for clearly people across the board. Claire, what are you seeing in terms of the cost of living crisis impacting insurance? I think from a claims perspective, we're seeing quite interesting changes in consumer behaviour. I think more than ever before, the speed of settlement is just coming out as something that's really, really important to customers. Um, We're also experiencing a bit of a change in customer behaviour in relation to the claim process. I think there's a high level of stress and anxiety just generally about how people are going to manage in the circumstances, and actually nobody wants to have a claim. So when that incident does occur, I think stress is at a very high level already the customer's already upset with the the general cost of living crisis that they're dealing with and they just need everything to be settled really quickly they're worried about how they're going to pay for the electricity if they need to run dehumidifiers they're worried about 
um, getting those disturbance allowance payments quickly so that they can buy food. There's just a lot more, it feels a lot more stress around around that process for customers. And that's leading to some undesirable behaviours as well. We see an increase in non-justified complaints at the moment where customers are thinking, well, if I press and if I complain and if I shout loudest, then my claim will be faster than everybody else's. And so we are seeing an increase there of those behaviours. And I think the main affordability issues we're seeing around the excess payments. So on the fulfilment side of things, we have a much higher percentage of claims actually going on hold. It's gone up by about 10% um, for customer-driven reasons, um, whereby they just can't afford to make those quite substantial excess payments. And so the claim's having to go on hold for two, three, four months until they, they can afford that. Clearly, um, times um, um, tight times are resulting in increased tensions, as you've kind of shared there, Claire. With the, um, the climbing cost of consumer goods and energy, coupled with wages that are simply not keeping up with inflation, are you finding that there are a growing number of policyholders who are un- underinsured and are perhaps unaware of it, Claire? Yeah, I think at the point of claim we are seeing underinsurance already. And as you mentioned there with the stressful situation, it's incredibly difficult because to have to have that conversation with the customer that we're applying average and they're not going to achieve the full the full settlement that they expected for their claim, it's incredibly difficult. And in terms of the, the best thing we can do is we try and spot those at FNOR, so at an earlier stage. And although it's not resolving the situation for the customer, it's about trying to kind of signpost early on in the claim that there might be an issue so that when we get to the point of settlement it's not coming as a massive shock that they are underinsured it still doesn't resolve the issue but it's about hand-holding them through through that issue a little bit better. Carla you also seeing a growing number of um, policyholders underinsured and how are you you know tackling communications to make sure that you know, um, that is tackled? Yes uh, I think unfortunately we, we are seeing that and I guess it's almost inevitable with the inflation uh, uh, that's, that's that's rife in in, in the uh, environment that we've got at the moment. Um, I mean, I, I guess for us and what we try to do is try and get to that even earlier. And as the insurer, the risk carrier, we are able to do that. So I think the signposting that we can do when the policies are first taken out is is important. So it's right that we we flag that awareness to to our policyholders. Um, I mean, f- fortunately, a lot of our household policies now have a sort of a blanket cover, which is well well above what would be uh, required for most most uh, properties that, that that are insured. But it's still an, an important part uh, uh, f- for us to make sure and and help our customers uh, to, to realise that, so that we can uh, stop the problem before it's um, before it's arrived. Another, um, obviously at this time, a lot of households are probably going through their bank statements and, and re-evaluating how much they're spending and setting new priorities. This may include their Netflix subscriptions or their gym memberships, but also I imagine a lot are looking at their insurance policies. Carl, have you seen an uptick in cancellations? Um, or, and what can be done to help policyholders who perhaps are now looking at that line on their bank account and questioning whether or not they want to continue paying it? Yeah, it's, it's it's a good point, Emma. and um, it's it's probably a little bit early still to tell whether there's been any real shift. Uh, uh, and but obviously some of uh, some of the challenges have been perhaps buffered a little bit by the government help around energy costs and things. And I'm I am concerned that as if those when when they come to the, an end, if they're not replaced, then that's going to put more pressure on people, and, and people might be more price driven um, or or like you say, more selective in just, just covering contents, just buildings or, or reducing the amount of, sort of specified items that, that, that they have. 
Um, so if, if that uh, does, does uh, prevail, then that will be uh, challenging for us. But as I said at the outset, I, th- I think at times like this, insurance policies are there as a safety net for people so what we need to do is work with our customers to to help them uh, so we can understand what they can afford what what is important to them what's essential to them make sure that we're the, the products that we're we're producing and, and pricing meet their needs and a good value uh, for money and then we need to look at how they can how they can pay for those policies so we need to be sensible with with regard to you know if they're paid on installments what the rates are around that and how we can make it as um, as fair and, and as helpful for our policyholders as we can. So far from causing cancellations, especially after the last few years of the pandemic and um, the unprecedented circumstances that they've created um, economically, do you think in the current economic climate um, some consumers and businesses would perhaps consider protecting themselves more diligently than perhaps they have in past downturns, Carl? Yes, I mean, I'd, I'd like to... You know, like to think that they would do. I mean, certainly, what what we're, you know, we we need to be able to there to give information to help our policyholders make the right decisions. But I'm sure that our customers' minds are more turned to to those sort of details. And and so some of the policies that we now issue as well, we've got a, a new brand coming out which is digital only called Modra, and and that's got a sort of flexible arrangement around it, so they can adjust the cover to suit suit needs and suit current budgets and things. So I think that sort of innovation is going to be important. And I think. As you say, those people that are, are switched on and thinking about these sort of things will really appreciate and value that. And those that are perhaps not yet alive to it, then I think it's right that we point them in that direction and, and help them. So, as I say, they can get that value for money um, out of their insurance purchases. Claire, would you agree? Do you think rather than cancellations, it will encourage more people to think about making sure their cover is a sufficient safety net in the current climate? I think you can argue either way and it will come down to her how risk averse each individual customer is and then what their individual budget is because I think customers only really see the value of their insurance product at the point of claim as well so if we're talking about a rise in cancellation that's probably more likely to occur after again if we've applied average and the customer thinks well what's the point of this insurance or we've declined a claim and they think oh I was of the belief this was covered and it's not then I think that could drive up those those cancellations but again on the converse side of that I think there are consumers out there thinking oh my goodness, last time I had a claim, I didn't have matching items. Right now, my budget wouldn't stretch for me to be able to afford to pay for those extras, therefore I'm going to increase my policy um, coverage. So I think, yeah, both. Both, I'm going to sit on the fence and say I think both. (laughs) It's it's early days, isn't it? It could go either way. Um, So Carl, I mean, what does the FCA expect insurers to be doing? Um, What what are you doing in terms of supporting policyholders who are perhaps finding themselves in new vulnerable circumstances as a result of inflation at the moment? Yeah, I think the FCA have been pretty pretty active in this space, and so they've been sending their dear CEO letters um, out. We had one in June, we had one in September, where they're giving some high-level guidelines as to what they're expecting from insurers. Um, I mean, thankfully, from an access point of view, I think the, the areas that they're focusing on are areas that we, we're looking at anyway, but I think it's good to know that the regulator is uh, has got the customer uh, interests at heart and they're making sure that they're they're doing their role in doing that so I think some of the key things that 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 we need to be uh, continuing to be alive to is those customers that we have in vulnerable circumstances or vulnerable customers and need to make sure that we have the appropriate support uh, in place for them Uh, and that can be not just customers with financial difficulty but um, 
uh, any other vulnerabilities that might happen and they could be heightened as Claire indicated earlier uh, you know at times like uh, that we're in at the moment with with cost of living and, and general pressures and, and strains on people so I think that's important they're definitely pushing to make sure that our products have fair value and I think that's you know, we're in a competitive market, so we're going to try and make sure that we're giving best value. It's, it, and it's part of our own values to, to put the customer at the heart of what we're doing. So you know, that, that, that follows through. Um, I mentioned earlier about you know, helping with premium finance. So that's definitely something, again, that I know the FCA are keen that, 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 we, that we do. I mean, what, what's um, obviously important to Claire and myself is around is around the whole claims proposition. So, you know, things such as handling claims fairly and promptly, you know, they're, they're part of our DNA. But we need to just make sure that you know, in these challenging times, that uh, even more so that we're that we're right on there for 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 our customers. Um, we've touched on under insurance, and I think. Um, Again, the FCA are, are expecting us to have some tolerance in that space, which you know, uh, I think most insurers, certainly at AXA, would would do that. We'd have that sort of uh, un- understanding uh, around that. Um, but again, that some of that comes from sort of helping the customer when at, at the point of sale, uh, not at the, at the point of claim, really. Um, communication is key, I think. Whenever there's there's difficult times, communication is even more vital than than, than ever. So uh, we need to make sure that we get that get that right uh, and uh, and keep I think helping to manage our customers' expectations, keep them aware, keep them informed of what's happening. All those things will will help. Um, so so yeah. So I think overall, at, at, you know, AXA, we, we we work in um, the consumer duty is going to be coming in in the summer, and we're we're doing work at AXA to help uh, ensure that. Uh, that we're in the right space for that but again some of that just goes to uh, amplify the work that we do anyway to make sure that the customer remains at the heart of what we're doing so um, so yeah I think it's um, more of the more of the same but some good prompts and reminders and mm. I think it's it's only right that uh, the regulator is 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 making sure that we're we're, we're all in line with that and, and looking after our customers. Claire early you touched on um, given the current climate and inflation I imagine um, customers in vulnerable circumstances are finding it even harder, um, kind of with double-digit inflation. How has that changed? Have you changed your approach, or how are you handling customers that are really, I imagine, calling you at a point of crisis? Yeah, so we've we've had to change our processes in line um, with the inflation being experienced. So as Carl pointed out earlier, it's really critical to make sure that customers are treated fairly during the claim process. And I think at Claims Consortium Group, what we've done primarily is to make sure that our schedule of rates, which is obviously the basis of those settlements, is being adjusted and um, updated to reflect market value so that the settlements that we're offering actually give the customer enough money to to go off and do those repairs and in relation to excess payments as well it can be as simple as putting in you know small incremental payments for the customer to make sure that they can they can manage that and it's not so overwhelming for them I think vulnerable customers due to impecuniosity are definitely on the up in terms of the amount of data that we're logging on our system that's becoming um, yeah there's higher data more data being logged at with those those reasons basically for vulnerabilities so I think as a business we need to make sure that our vulnerable customer policy is there but it's about having the correctly trained staff to actually implement that policy and and kind of go through regular training to understand how to deal with these circumstances Um, at Claims Consortium we've decided to put anyone who wants to through um, mental health first aid training which we're finding incredibly useful because uh, as you said there Emma 
the customers that we're receiving on the phone are just very emotional um, and it's very distressing I think for them sometimes and we have real people calling in 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 a full crisis and and our team members and, and claims handlers have to know how to deal with that. And is it support about supporting staff as well because I mean you're you're dealing with uh, you know your colleagues are dealing with people at a point of crisis and that obviously adds you know to their concerns so how do you kind of offer them support in terms of being able to deal with those um, upset callers? Yeah, so the mental health first aiders are for our internal staff as well. So at any point someone's become overwhelmed or had a really distressing call, then they have the option to go and have contacts with a member of staff that can support them. And I think that's been, we've got a directory where you can actually pick up the phone to anybody in that directory and it could be somebody that you know well or you might want to speak to somebody um, in a completely different department that you've never spoken to before um, and it's completely their choice. So I think it's about making sure that we're aware of that, that we're offering those resources to team members and signposting them yeah, to the correct mental health resources. Yeah, because it's so important, you can't help others unless kind of you've helped yourself. And Absolutely. The, the old, um, what was it, airlines, putting um, grabbing the oxygen first for yourself, isn't it, in a mental health capacity. Um, so obviously insurers are t- also feeling the cost pressures themselves. Um, so as businesses, are you looking for ways to keep expenses under control? And also um, as businesses, there's inevitably there's likely to be an increase in premiums for some policyholders. How are you kind of communicating the possibility of that, Carl? Yeah, I mean, I think we we're always looking to try and uh, operate in the most efficient way that that we can. Um, as I said before, it's a competitive market that that we're in, so uh, we we can't aff- uh, afford to sort of overprice what we do. And it's very important that we get the right value uh, for the, for the products that we're selling, and that we uh, follow that up with the, with the right uh, service when when people, if they are unfortunate enough to to have a claim. So I think it's uh, it's key that we. Um, we keep looking at those efficiencies, but um, that doesn't. Nec- that's not um, just slash and cut costs because what we know is that that would just create cost in the long run because we wouldn't if we just followed that approach we wouldn't be able to give the customer service that we want and uh, and that will have uh, knock-on effects for f- not only to the to our customers which we don't want but also internally so it'd be a false move to try and do that because we just create failure demand in what we're trying to do and uh, we we would hen- as as Claire said, you know, if people are not happy, they will complain. So there's 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 not a lot of sense in us trying to put forward a proposition that that doesn't uh, aim to meet those uh, those demands. So uh, so yeah, we'll we'll, we'll do that. Um, it's interesting how you know pricing isn't my uh, my area of expertise, but you know so far when we look at some of the the numbers that we're seeing from the market there, there hasn't been uh, a, a big increase in premiums if anything they've they've stayed stable or if anything have gone down but inevitably i think uh, those despite the best attempts with we're trying to be as efficient as possible inflation will take its toll and uh, yeah, and uh, as, as claire mentioned you know uh, it's, it is costing more to replace uh, or, or repair things these days and, and, and eventually that's going to have to uh, play itself out. But, but I think it's, it's one of those things where uh, most customers will realise that. They, they will see that in their everyday life this is happening, so it's almost inevitable. And, uh, but as long as they can see that there's value there for them, that it's being explained to them, that it's being communicated, that the options are, are there for them, then 
I'd like to think that uh, th that would mean that most of the policyholders would, would understand and, uh, and then make informed choices themselves. Claire, how are you balancing kind of um, the increase in expenses as an insurer versus the benefits to customers? I think at our end on supply chain, we mainly, in, we mainly assist our insurer clients with pricing. So we invest heavily inside our data and analytics team to make sure that we're updating all of our clients regularly on what the actual cost of the claims are so that their underwriters can be informed and make sure that products are going out and priced correctly. And in turn, I think that will help reduce the pressure on insurers so they make sure that they have got correct pricing across their products. I think in terms of the way we can assist on supply chain and minimising those costs as well is just... It's a big one that Carl's mentioned earlier, but it's about not paying out on those fraudulent claims. So um, at Claims Consortium Group, our Director of Investigations recently wrote a paper and he's expecting um, insurance fraud for 2023 to rise to 40%. Previous recessions have been showing around the 25% mark, but I think that unique combination of the fuel crisis emerging from Brexit, the war, uh, food shortages and the kind of political climate in the UK at the moment um, he's pretty convinced that it's going to go to levels that have been unprecedented so as in supply chain and insurers we need to work together to make sure that those inflated claims uh, that will naturally start to come through are not being paid out and in turn that will have a benefit for consumers because we're going to be able to keep those premiums lower by not paying out on those fraudulent claims. And do you think perhaps the, there's, um, in terms of we've spoken a lot about communication today but a real role for the industry to explain that you know at the point of claim why some of the questions are being made why some of the is to make sure that premiums are kept affordable for everybody because fraudulent claims aren't paid yeah i think it's really important for consumers to understand um why we are certain things and how i think there's a yeah i think there was a study that was done that said that a lot of consumers would at the point of claim if they're having a genuine claim would be really tempted to you know add a few claim costs on and with the cost of living crisis as it is at the moment that's going to become incredibly prevalent or I'll just add an extra room on or an extra couple of items and it won't harm so I think we do have a bit of a duty there to let customers know that it's not innocent and it's not you know just one extra room that the the problem across the the whole marketplace is millions. Um, Carl would you, in terms of obviously Claire talking there about kind of the educational piece at the point of claim at the point of sale is there an educational piece as well to explain that when it comes to the claim you will be asked um, these questions to make sure we can keep premiums affordable and not pay out fraudulent claims yeah I, th I think it's uh, unfortunate that there is still a view that um, with some that um, exaggerated or fraudulent insurance claims uh, are victimless claims that there's uh, you know it's there's there's nobody that suffers from that um, and, and that just isn't the case and, and, and like I say it, what that does mean is that uh, those genuine policyholders are having to having to pay uh, f for those that decide to uh, or are forced to uh, commit commit fraud so um, yeah it's, it, it is a, a challenge around that I think as, a, as an industry we still need to do we, we, we try and push those messages and try and get out out there to people that you know insurance fraud isn't acceptable um, sadly people still talk about that uh, in general conversation and don't seem to be sh as shocked about it as if you were talking about another uh, offence that somebody might commit then then people would be shocked and wouldn't dare, dare talk about it so we do need to try and try and change the the mindset of society uh, there I mean we, we are uh, working on that and uh, we do make it clear to to people that we you know we do exchange information and detail around this and uh, you know, I, I'd, I'd like to think that um, you know 
It's always interesting. You, you hope that uh, in, in times of trouble, people come together for the better good of society. We saw that a bit in COVID, but I wonder whether financial hardship is, is going to have quite the same impact. Uh, as optimistic as I am, uh, we, we're nef- nevertheless, we're going to be uh, very watchful and, and try and get that balance between investigating the right cases, but those that we know are genuine, get on and settle those and deal with those as quickly as we can. Thanks. Clearly challenging um, times ahead with the cost of living crisis, but great to hear about some of the work the two of you have been doing in terms of helping those who are, you know, really feeling the pinch in their pocket because of inflation. That brings us to the end of this episode of the Insurance Post podcast. I'd like to thank Claire and Carl for joining us and sharing their insights on the impact the cost of living crisis is having on policyholders and the insurance industry. As always, also thanks to you for listening to the Insurance Post podcast. If you enjoy the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to Insurance Post and by following us on Facebook, LinkedIn and Twitter. Make sure you come back next week for a discussion on whether insurers are ready for the great resignation. Until then, this is Emran Hughes signing off. The Insurance Post podcast is a product of InfoPro Digital.